All right, everyone. Inappropriate Earl is back. We had some uh, audiophile issues uh, last week, and uh, frankly, we, uh, we, it's really me, I did a, a secret podcast with a uh, guest that I cannot uh, talk about that may or may never air, but that's life in uh, Inappropriate Earl land. I hope it airs. I'm sworn to secrecy. I cannot say who the guest was, but uh, let's just say uh, it's a good one. But today I can actually air this podcast, and I've got uh, one of the good dudes in uh, stand-up comedy in L.A. Uh, I met him, of course, through Roast Battle. It's where I meet everyone, uh, except for, well, even uh, my last couple girlfriends I've met through Roast Battle. So uh, there you go. Roast Battle is a gift that has given to daddy more than you can imagine uh but i'm super excited to have him here he was nice enough to wait in my driveway because last night i bought a sound card that was too powerful for my system so i had to go back to best buy which uh, should be called worst uh selection my god how that place turns a profit is beyond me uh but please put your hands together for an elite roast battler and a great comic as well mr greg roquet yeah, you got it right. Yeah, well, I was trying. I'm not, I want to call you Craig, Craig, and then it's Greg, and then I, I thought it was Rogue, and then it's Roquet. So I, but you know, this is coming from someone with the last name of Skakel. So come on, you know the business. You can't have an ethnic-sounding name in Hollywood. Well, not in Roast Battle. I'll tell you that much. Uh, so we met through Roast Battle. Um, you know, tell us your journey into in stand-up because I actually don't know. Uh, a lot about your stand-up because I've only seen you roast battle. Well, uh, I don't think most people know about my stand-up. Uh, Mine too. Yeah. No, I. Uh, so I started when I was eighteen. I went to you know an open mic, and it was like the. Sh- it, I mean, it's the shittiest open mic I could find. Who books it? Uh, uh, cry. It's it's the it's. I think it's like a coffee bean in Long Beach. So probably the manager, but it was terrible. There was like no one in attendance. And I completely bombed, and it was terrible. And I, and you know, I, I'm, I got, I got a lot of pride, so I felt so bad. I, I, I didn't do stand up for about two years after that. Good for you. Yeah. And then uh, one day I, I got drunk, and my friends like, hey, you should give comedy a try again. And I did a little better with some of the same jokes. So since then, I've been uh, just been grinding, trying to do shows more in LA and you know the OC area, and yeah, and uh, it was actually Joe Urell who uh challenged me to the uh the first roast battle i did and you know ever since then i've been hooked on roast battle I've, I've been welcomed uh into the roasting community so you know that's that's pretty much the journey until now well uh and it's not an easy community out there it's tough to be accepted at the comedy store as a comic it's, it's the best club in the country uh at least definitely on the west coast thank you the stand in new york Patrick Milligan, thank you very much. Uh, but it's even tougher to be accepted uh, as a roast battler because it's so competitive and it's so like uh, cutthroat and no one's really rooting for anyone because, you know, it's uh, it's a competitive sport and you've like been accepted. A lot of people aren't. Well, yeah, that was like the, the strange thing. I, I felt like it was an anomaly because I think like after the first battle, I mean, my, my first battle was a wheelchair battle between me and joe and joe is is you know just like i don't know, he's just like uh i know he's everyone's 
he's everyone's favorite roaster, you know. And so to to have such an electrifying battle be my first battle, I think really made it easy. And you know, I'm always I'm you know I'm just grateful for that and 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 the opportunity that you know Moses set up and and that Joe you know asked me to participate in. I mean, it's 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 been wonderful, you know. And and uh, then after that, you know, uh, uh, you know, I was I was invited to do roast battle season two which i thought was a joke when i got the call from comedy central i was like really i've only done one battle and you want me on the show but you know i you know it's it's just it's been a fun experience and i'm just grateful for you know all the awesome amazing incredible opportunities i've gotten i mean roast battle really is uh you know some people say i talk about the show too much but it's given so much to me personally and uh really people like you and it's probably helped over a hundred comics. You know, Pat Barker got a gig on HBO. Uh, um, you know, Robin Tran got her first TV appearance out of it. Uh, Moses has become a, a name in, in, in the comedy community. Uh, not that he wasn't before, but like he's now he's like, that's Brian Moses. Uh, you know, the wave are all, uh, stars in their own right, you know, and, and Jeff Ross and Brian have helped, uh, a lot of comics so it's that's why i talk about the show so much because it's really uh i don't think enough can be said about it well yeah and and it's i i forget who said it but they said roast battle is probably the one of the easiest shows to get booked on in hollywood but the hardest to do well at and i think that that's why it's just a, such a good vehicle for up-and-coming comics and i i mean it's 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 an amazing show and it's a, an amazing little phenomenon they've they've put together and and yeah, like you said, so many people have gotten awesome credits and opportunities out of it. And actually, it's funny you mentioned uh, Pat Barker because uh, my friend, they, they listen to, to Bill Simmons and his podcast and all that stuff. And uh, he sent me the link to this podcast. I think it was, um, I think Sarah Tiana was on. Oh, and she, man. She was talking to, uh, to uh, Bill Simmons. And uh, Bill Simmons like, was like, oh, man, I was watching you know, Roast Battle and they had a wheelchair roaster on there. And it, it was just nice that that no one no one knew who I was by name, but they knew I was the boy in the wheelchair. So that was that was a nice little uh, moment of notoriety for me. Well, that's the crazy thing is like roast battle is such a wacky show. There's three wheelchair roasters. You know, there's you, uh, of course, Joe Urell and Danielle Perez. So it's like you can't even like like take that as like your your niche. It's it's already. There's already, you know, there's, uh, you're right. Roast battle will book anybody, uh, you know, like it doesn't matter what you look like. doesn't matter. Like if you have any physical, uh, um, you know, handicap or, or mental handicap, <laughs> we've got autistic kids battling. We've got, you know, people who are borderline suicidal. <laughs> it's really the show that's given to all forms, not just, you know, famous comics or like people who are good at stand-up who are good looking or whatever there's that too but like it's it's a very giving show in that regard yeah it's it's like a fucked up beautiful dysfunctional family yeah i mean there's people who hate each other on it uh love each other uh couples have come from it uh breakups have come from it uh you, you know and and the show three years in maybe even four it's i think it's since 2013 uh is growing like it's getting bigger and i i say it all the time like people uh you know in la comedy after about six months a show gets like all right let's move on to the next show or 
you know, whatever. And and I went in there the other night to judge, and it's like, my God, it's just, just as crowded as it was for season one when I was on it. So, uh, and there's many battles to be had, you know. Uh, you know, it's not like you're going to run out of battles, you know. I mean, I probably have, you know, maybe seven or eight people I could battle that I haven't. And it's, I'm sure it's the same with you, too. Yeah, no, there, there's a lot of people I want to battle. I, I think I want to, you know, try to, try, I, I want to get involved more in the LA scene because I feel like I, I think with the exception of Joe, I've called out everyone I've roasted. So I'm still looking for more opponents because I, I, I'm just trying to find like that, that nice alchemy, you know, that, that weird combination that, that'll lead to a great spectacular battle because that, that's all it is. Like, like a good roast battle, you know, records and all that stuff doesn't matter. It's all about dynamics and chemistry. I mean, there have been great roasters who've had you know terrible battles because it just they I know they were they, I know they were too similar or too dissimilar that it didn't work. Oh yeah, I mean it's definitely uh, you know so much of what makes the show great is the chemistry between the roasters. You know, if you have you know two high energy roasters going against each other, they may talk over each other, and it might not be the best battle. Whereas if you have someone who's high energy. Say someone who's like very dry and and slow in their delivery. It's a great dynamic uh, to watch. And uh, you know what I love about the show is like anyone can win. Like anyone can lose. You know I've said it before. I lost to a girl uh, in Whitney Rice who never battled before, and she never battled after the battle. Like uh, you know I just uh, I stumbled on a joke and she she killed me and like so that's what i love is like there's always upsets and you know joe urell beat uh doug fager last week which is a huge upset because uh, doug's one of the you know better roasters so that's what i think makes the show so watchable still is you could have on paper a battle that oh this guy's or girl is going to kill this person and there's an upset you know lou varm you know uh has beat people you think oh, he's not going to beat this person so it's uh and robin tran like is a killer she's not even ranked i don't think no i don't think she's ranked i don't follow the rankings anymore after i was uh asked to be taken out of them through some shenanigans but we won't get into that okay what are you ranked uh let's see last i checked i think i was like 45 or something like that around there by the way if you want to see who where uh Greg is ranked. You can go on www.verbalviolence.tv. It's it's the roast battle uh, websites, rankings, articles, uh, pictures. Uh, I think the Verbal Violence podcast is there's a link to that on there, and uh, it's really one stop shopping for all you uh, roast battlers out there. And uh, Greg's definitely uh, one to watch. I mean, season three is coming. No one knows what's going down for season three. All the little birdies come into my ear from time to time. Gonna be a lot of disappointed people walking around Tuesday nights. Nice, I, Earl. I, I gotta ask you: Did you do a set last night? I did not. I had uh, two sets on Saturday night, uh, one on Friday. Um, last night was uh, what did I do last night? Uh, well, I went to buy a sound card from Best Buy, and uh, I bought one that was too powerful for my system. All right, the, the sets that you did on Saturday were they at the store or were they at Goldie's? Uh, I wish they were Goldie's. Season two, guys. Season two. Uh, I think today is the day we all find out. And, uh, you know, I love all you people criticizing I'm dying up here when you were the same people trying to get auditions for it. You guys are so bitter, man. Just live. 
let go of the hate. Trust me. Just let it go. Be happy for people. Be happy for Greg that he got on season two. Instead of saying, why didn't I get on season two? Maybe you aren't good enough. How about that? Uh, but I, they, one was at an outdoor barbecue. 17 years into stand-up, I'm doing outdoor barbecue shows. And then uh, a late spot at the comedy store. Okay, because yeah, I, I, I was trying to use this as, as a way to segue into I'm dying up here because I, I want to talk. I want to talk. I'm dying up here with you. Please do. Okay. So I, I saw the show and you were on the show about what? Four or five times? Four episodes. Once again, I, I, I hate to keep bringing it back to roast battle. The producer and writer, the main producer and writer of the show. I won't mention their names just because maybe uh, they don't want to be mentioned, but uh, they saw me at roast battle. And Jerron Horton recommended me. Thank you very much. Mr. Horton. Nice. And and so okay, so every time you were there, again, kind of like the story, you're doing the late night shifts. Your character is Al Sims. That's your character, right? Yes. Uh, rumors of a spinoff show are, are uh, not happening. And, and here's what I was wondering. So, you know, uh, when you're up there, you know, the jokes are like, so my ex-wife left me and, you know, stuff like that are... So these these weren't these weren't part of your your original set, right? These are these were written for you, or how does that work? These were written for me, uh, but I was thinking about someone while I was doing them. I won't say who, but uh, we won't get into that. But uh, you know, I think my uh, material skews more to the '80s, which I'm hoping this show goes two, three seasons in. Not only because it's so fun to work on, but uh, I wouldn't have to be in wardrobe i just wear my own clothes if it revolved around the 80s because okay. i mean the long-term um future of the show you know yes you you know the show's about the you know comedy in the 70s but you know you could take it into the 80s with the comedy boom and you can even you know after a couple seasons take it into the 90s with the comedy like kind of like the tech stock uh market blew up you know comedy in the 90s was uh you know it's pretty brutal yeah yeah i i mean like in the 70s is when you i mean they say it's the golden age of comedy i mean the store was popping you had prior coming in every night i think steve martin was just a couple of years away from becoming the legend that he was and and then the, like you said in the 80s we have the comedy boom but uh i i mean like like uh, right now, the show is is in what nineteen seventy five or seventy six mid seventies or I you know to be honest with you it's uh, I don't know what year the show was in I think it's early uh, maybe mid seventies like seventy three to seventy six era and uh, you know that's really you know to to people your age and, and younger like they don't realize that getting the Tonight Show was the gig uh, you know there wasn't. And it's certainly taking nothing away from today. But, you know, today you have, you know, Comedy Central. It's basically comedy 24 hours a day. You have Netflix, which is uh, has comedy uh, as a large portion of its programming. You have uh, all, what, I don't even know how many late night talk shows there are now, seven or eight that all feature stand-up and uh, varying uh, frequency. Uh, and you have even show uh, networks like logo network that has comedy specials by gay comics and uh you know uh, access tv has uh comedy live at gotham i think so uh, you know but back then there there wasn't all that uh choice for if you were stand-up and you got the tonight show you were guaranteed superstardom so that's what what i think some people are missing about the show is like because someone came up to me 
I said, well, what's the big deal about Carson? I mean, it's not that big of a deal. I was like, dude, it was the only show back then. So Wait, I, really? People asked you, like, what's the big deal about Carson? Yeah, well, because they're, you know, your age and younger, and they don't get that, you know, they're, they've grown up with, like, even on YouTube, you could, you know, look up stand-up clips of you, me, or, or whoever your favorite comic is, Theo Vaughn, uh, you know, Jeff Richards, you know, uh, you know, Patrice O'Neill, if they unfortunately have passed on, but you could still, uh, they still live through YouTube and, and, uh, where their specials are. So you didn't have that back then. You know, you had three networks. There was no cable TV. There was no internet. So to book the only uh, stand-up gig on TV until I think in the early 80s when uh, the improv uh, Saturday, at the, I forget what it was called, a uh, weekend at the improv or something, yeah. uh, evening at the improv uh, came along. You know, Carson was it. And sometimes you didn't get the couch which I think a lot of people are lost on. Like, what's the big deal about getting the couch? You know, Jerry Seinfeld didn't get the couch. Yeah. I mean, that shows you like, you know, which is why in, in season one, it was a big deal on the season finale of, well, will Bill get the couch? And, and the, one of the final scenes, we're all taking bets on if he gets it. And then, you know, in the very first episode, it was actually the pilot where uh, the comic got the couch and then he, you know, went to the hotel room, watched it, and then walked in front of a bus. And I, I think people lost the meaning of, you know, after the couch on Carson, there's nothing better. I mean, back then, that was it. You weren't going to get a better gig. Even if you got a movie, you'd still rather get the couch. Well, I mean, even before Carson, like uh, Jack Parr used to have the couch. Like Dick Gregory, that was his defining one of the defining moments in his career. He was on, uh, on Jack Parr's show, and, you know, he did a set, and he sat there, and he said that, um, you know, he was doing, you know, like shows at the Playboy Club and stuff. And and after that, he started he was earning like five thousand a night. Like he just his his career skyrocketed. Yeah. I mean, I think David Brenner said he got the couch. I don't know if it was his first time on the show. And literally two days later, he had a year's work, a year's worth of road work lined up. I mean, that's, you know, now you uh, I guess you'd say Conan. uh you get the couch. I don't know if you necessarily get a year's worth of road work. You get some good things, certainly. Uh, you know, but, you know, it's it's certainly just because of the avalanche of comedy that's on television. Um, and, you know, also back then there was only two comedy clubs in Los Angeles. It's Comedy Store and The Improv. Uh, there's no Laugh Factory yet. I, the Ice House, I think, was just... I think Ice House may have still been like I think there was like a, like a folk a folk club, right? Like there used, yeah. used to be a music venue. Which so, you know, I don't know if comics necessarily, you know, you wanted to do the store, the improv. And the store definitely, I think, took precedence because of the history of the building and just because of, you know, who was up there. If, if you ever have a chance, there's a list of the open mic one night. Uh, you know, basically potluck back then. And it was like Jay Leno, David Letterman, uh, Gary Shandling, you know, just like, wow, this was potluck in this, you know, this was like, you know, now I don't know if you see the list of potluck and go, oh my God, <laughs> you know, for the wrong reasons maybe, but like, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty impressive. The lineups that were, you know, every big comic today was doing potluck back then. Well, yeah, and that's why, like, whenever you pass by the comedy store and you see, you know, all the signatures on the wall, or I mean, all the names on the wall, 
I mean, like you just you see essentially like modern comedy's history there. And I mean, it's such a monument, such an icon. And and I know I'd like to see more. of I hopefully there's season two of I'm dying up here. I think it's a solid show. It it's like it's like the vinyl stand up comedy. You ever see vinyl on HBO? Yeah. And it's just like that's the crazy, uh, you know, you look at a show like vinyl and you think, how did this not succeed? I mean, you know, Martin Scorsese, Mick Jagger involved, uh, you know, just great, great actors. Uh, you know, to me, I lost a little bit of, uh, you know, interest in the show when they had Led Zeppelin's manager be that smallish actor. And if you knew anything about Led Zeppelin's history, their manager who, you know, let's just say was very forceful in getting them some deals was a huge like pro wrestler. So it's just like they, they skimped a little on that detail. And I think if you watch I'm Dying up here, there, there's no skimping on any detail. Like it's very true to, you know, what the 70s comedy was like, the style, the clothes, the, you know, I was lucky enough to be on the set of the main room at Goldie's. You could have a comedy show there right now. I mean, that's how realistic it is. So uh, I sure hope it gets another uh, season or seasons because it's, you know, the cast was amazing. I mean, you know, the the comics who were acting were getting advice from the actors who were playing comics and vice versa. And like there was you know, never any uh, competitiveness on the show. It's like, let's make this the best show possible. Did you guys know. air before or after Twin Peaks? I'm pretty sure it was after Twin Peaks. Because uh, I've only I've only streamed it. I've never actually seen it on television. So I, I didn't, like, uh, I mean, like, were the ratings good? Because I know Twin Peaks was getting a lot of ratings through streaming. So I'm not sure if, if, uh, if I don't, as, as, a, as a package, you know, you guys were, were doing well on a Sunday night. I, do you do you know anything about Showtime's ratings? I mean, it's tough to judge ratings on uh, a, a network like Showtime because it's, um, you know, like you said, people stream it, they download it. it. It's not just who's watching it Sunday night on the actual TV like me. Uh, and people, uh, I, I still say TiVo, but, you know, people who DVR it and watch it later, you know, does that count? Um, but I do know that the season finale rating got almost double uh, what the normal rating was. So that's a good sign that people were interested in the story. Um, you know, so, you know, it, it's certainly got good long-term potential, but now I'm speaking out of my, uh, area of expertise in terms of, you know, I, I don't know what gets a show picked up and, or what gets a show canceled. I mean, just bring in Scorsese for the next season. Well, I don't know if we should after how Vinyl did, uh, which is crazy. You know, I think period pieces are uh, a risky um, series to pull off. You know, like if you look at, like, say, Boardwalk Empire, that was a hit. And a lot of the episodes directed by Salami from The White Shadow, I don't think a lot of people realize that. Thank you, Timothy Van Patten. You'll always be Salami to me. Um and then you have like vinyl just didn't do very well and it had you can't get any more a list than you know that what that show had and um so it's and then my, one of my favorite what year were you born 92 the show came out 1988 when miami vice was at its peak and it was the first show that the creator michael mann had uh gotten into after miami vice because he wanted to start you know the next level 
and it's called Crime Story. It's based in Chicago and Vegas in the 50s. And you can't get a better cast. Co-stars all became famous, you know, Julia Roberts, you know, so on and so forth. And it just lasted two seasons. Just didn't. And this was when Michael Mann was the number one guy for TV. I mean, Miami Vice was as big as any show's ever been on TV. It's yeah. everywhere. Well, you know, it's funny. Michael Mann, after after Crime Story, I think the next show he really had a hands-on like um, an approach to was uh, was Luck on HBO, and that got canceled. Yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, well, I think because uh, they had a few deaths with horses and uh well i, I thought it wasn't it, also the ratings weren't that good i mean you had dustin hoffman as a lead but nick nolte i mean I, I well i think the ratings were good enough to keep going but it was just uh you know that's a high dollar cast when you you know when you have dustin hoffman doing a tv show i i can only imagine what he gets per episode and i'm sure nick nolte didn't come cheap um and the rest of the cast uh i'm drawing a blank as to who was in it but it was like you know every a level uh character actor was in that show so it was like which i think makes a show like yeah you can get dustin hop and he, he'll be great but it's the guys playing the horse trainer who has the gambling problem and uh you know even gary stevens who was the jockey uh He's he's an actual world famous jockey. He was a very he, he was a good actor. You know, uh, it was like having the comics and I'm dying up here act. You know, you wouldn't think a jockey could act, but you know he was really not acting. He was being what he's been for thirty years, a world famous jockey. So uh, I like that. You know, just but you know, Crime Story. You know, is a show that should have been huge. Uh, but it was just too much money to make. You know, they they went for the authentic authenticity of of the fifties. So you had to get all those cars and suits and the hair and and you know so. And then other shows I liked, three episodes and out. You know, there was that Ray Liotta show Smith. It's about two thousand six, and it's just he had a team of bank robbers, and it was great. He had the guy from the mentalist was part of his team and uh you know just some great character actors literally three episodes and done and shades of blue his new show is killing it and i so like j-lo right yeah yeah but i like smith better so why does one succeed and one just literally three episodes they're like we're out uh so uh i don't know what i guess the whole point of this diatribe is uh, you know, you see shows on air, you're like, how is this still on the air? And you see good shows, you know, uh, get the axe pretty soon, one season. You're like, I don't get it. So I don't mean if 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 I'm if I'm dying up here, doesn't make doesn't make it to season two. Maybe they'll bring it back in 25 years, like Twin Peaks. I mean, you know, you look at the. I mean, Melissa Leo is the Oscar winner. Like, so it's not like this is just a cast of stand-up comics who've never acted before. It's like legitimate, um, you know, and the the character actors, the guest stars, Rick Overton, who is like, like I can't speak highly enough of him. Like, he is a legend in the comedy world and a working actor for thirty years. Uh, he, him playing the Booker of the Tonight Show was great because he gets it. Like he's, he was there. I mean, he lived. I'm dying up here. So it was so fun to 
we didn't have any scenes together, but just to work with him in a couple episodes, I I can't say enough nice things about him. And you know, uh, you know, Dylan Baker playing Johnny Carson. Uh, you know, he wasn't in it a lot, but like he's he's that typical. You see his face, you're like I've seen this guy in like literally hundreds of movies. What's his name? Uh, so the casting was great. That you know, the writing was uh, I thought uh authentic uh, authentic jesus i'm turning into fucking shack here uh so you know hopefully it gets picked up but you know you just you don't know you know it's a weird uh it's weird i could go on and on about shows that it's a cold business, man. It is a cold business. Like, you know, look at Prison Break. That's another one of my favorite shows. Five seasons. How that show got five seasons, I'll never fucking know. And I love it. But, I mean, you know, after season two, it was a little long in the tooth. And then there was a show where the older brother on the show, Dominic Purcell, he did a show on Fox. It's probably how he got on to Prison Break. It's called John Doe, where he has amnesia but he's the world's smartest man. He knows everything except who he is. And it went one season. Yeah. Much better, I think, uh, long-term potential than Prison Break. Because after they break out, it's like, okay. Uh, well, now we're just on the run for yeah. four seasons. Yeah. Which, you know, okay, I could see maybe doing a season two because you want to see where the, the who gets caught. and But, you know, season three when, like, the same eight from Fox River end up in like a Panamanian jail. It's like, all right, what are the odds of this? I mean, I know it's fictional, but what are the odds? Uh, so, but when they brought it back this year, they brought back 24, you know, yeah. a blackjack power. So, uh, you know, I've given up trying to figure out TV and, and, you know, why certain things get made and don't get made. And I don't know. The less you think about it, the better. Yeah, I mean, I I was told early on in Roast Battle's history, I won't say who told me this, but it was a very famous comic. He just looked at me as like, dude, no one's going to watch two open micers shitting on each other that they don't know. It's like the jokes are going to be two inside. And look at it, we're three seasons in. You know? So it's just like, uh, I don't poo-poo anyone's idea now. When someone comes out to me and says, hey, I got an idea for... Uh, a show about doing this. I'm like, yeah. It's a market for everything. I mean, look at Bar Rescue. It's on 24 hours a day on Spike TV. Like Storage Wars, too. I mean, you have like, you have all these weird reality shows that you think, who's going to watch, who's going to watch a reality show about a guy who owns a pawn shop? Yeah. Or a Big Brother is another show that is so successful for CBS. It's on three nights a week. And uh, you can't get uh, enough of it. Like, if you would have pitched that show to me, twenty, it's now in its, like its 21st season, and said, hey, say Earl Skakel's the head of programming for CBS. And someone comes up to me and says, hey, we're going to put 20 people in the house. They're not celebrities. We're going to have them do kind of some wacky task. And each week, one person gets kicked off. What do you think? I'd be like, ah, no. <laughs> Let's bring back Smith. <laughs> and, you know. So I, anything, any ideas, I mean, tonight I have on my TiVo, I'm not saying DVR, uh, Man versus Food. Have you ever seen that show? Yeah. It's literally a show about a guy eating himself to death. 
doing these wacky fucking challenges and all he gets is a t-shirt yeah see well see that's why i I love about him that's what i love about america and and our tv programming it's just it's just it's just it's so absurd like if you told this to anyone else i mean like like say aliens land you try to explain so they'd be like this is stupid why the hell am i watching this but it's entertaining it's almost like there's something endearing and so I don't, I don't I feel like like he's a modern day Sisyphus instead of pushing the boulder just eating a bucket of hot wings until you know his butthole's burning. I mean it's not even a bucket of hot wings. That's like an appetizer. It's like I watched him do something the other day the the belt buster burger which is like a 4 pound burger which is crazy. Most bur- like I have a turkey burger. It's a half a pound. It fills me up. Um but then he had to eat like two pounds of tater tots and then uh uh there was like something else nachos like a whole plate of nachos probably a pound of nachos and then he had to drink the shake which was like probably at least 16 ounces with like four scoops of ice cream and a, a mountain full of whipped cream and you know that's like literally seven eight pounds of food (laughs) <laughs> and 20 minutes that's the crazy part 20 minutes so have you ever seen his uh i think was it on instagram or twitter i forget but the dude from man versus food had a breakdown did you ever see his breakdown no yeah like i don't know so someone posted something criticizing him or said something about the show i forget and like <laughs> the guy from man versus food just like i hope you get raped or something like that he was just oh cool <laughs> yeah that dude's doesn't seem like a doesn't seem like a nice dude to hang out with, but he knows how to eat, so I'll give him that. What's a new guy now? It's, I forget. The, Billy something. It's not is Adam the new, no, Adam Richmond. Oh, he probably lost his job. Uh, well, he, no, he lost a lot of weight. I met him one night at roast battle, and I pitched him a TV show. Kiddingly, I like he was in the patio. I'm like, hey, dude, I'm a huge fan of your show, and like, and he was very nice. I'm like, I got an idea for a show, dude, and, and his ears perked up, you know, because even he is looking for the next. You know, like everyone on Roast Battle, you should start looking at your next move. Like, you know, Roast Battle's not going to live forever. I hope it doesn't go anywhere anytime soon, but, you know, it's like, you know, I had I'm Dying up here, you know, and then the jellies. Like, uh, and so you could tell he was like, okay, maybe this guy's a good idea. And I'm like, well, right after Man versus Food, you have Man man versus Toilet, where it's a competitive shitting contest. And he looked at me like, he didn't say no right away. It was like, oh, what, what's it about? And he literally, I, I pitched him on it. It was just 12 porta potties lined up with a scale at the bottom. So you have people just eat unending amounts of food for one hour, and then they all go in these porta potties and take shits. And whoever shits the least gets eliminated. I'm telling you, it would be on TV. I'm, I have no doubt in my mind Spike TV would at least take a pitch meeting for it. At the very least, include it as like special features in the Man vs. Food DVD. Yeah, something. You know, and as crazy as that idea sounds, you know, he didn't say no. Tell you that much. So if you guys have an idea out there, never give up. Because anything's possible in this business. And as Jeff Richards said, a lot is impossible. So take that. This is a podcast where I try and help you young comics. Most of you don't listen to me, but it's all good. So inspirational. I try. You know, a lot of people accuse me of being negative about the business. I think people confuse honesty with negativity. You know, 
I mean, it's a tough, you, I mean, you tell me, like, it's a tough business, right? Oh, yeah, of course. What's the toughest part for you? Enough about me talking. Okay. Uh, well, I don't, I, I think, I think I'm, I'm a weird one. Uh, cause, you know, as a disabled comic, I mean, like, uh, with me, it's issues of mobility, driving, like making sure the venue is accessible and, uh, getting there. It's, it's that kind of stuff. And see, because of those, like, sort of physical limitations, since I'm, since, you know, with the commute and everything and getting around, I don't think I have as many sort of I don't know, networking opportunities or the ability to kind of just, you know, mingle and do that kind of stuff. So a lot of it is really just, you know, a lot of my, I guess, career mobility and physical mobility is limited by the disability. So it's trying to, it's just trying to make every mic or make every show count. So you have to, I have to strategize and I, and I, and that's, that's kind of the, the, the part that sucks about the business as you know, as it affects me. But I mean, it's, it's, you know, I mean, like you said, it's competitive. You just got to, you know, do your best and hopefully the right person sees you at the right time and just keep looking forward, you know, try not to get caught in the past or, you know, get stuck on one thing. Always try to reinvent, reinvent yourself and look for new opportunities. Yeah. I mean, that's my biggest problem is, uh, being caught up in the past and, you know, certain dramas, but, uh, you know, just take advantage of your opportunities and, and, uh, you know, do you not like it when people label you sometimes a disabled comic? You know, that's one of those things where it's inevitable and I don't take it personally because I kind of just see it like I, I the way I see it is every comic out there, we're all a commodity. You know, we're all trying to sell ourselves. We're all trying to brand ourselves so we can, you know, fit into the right show. And, you know, because I mean, bookers and managers, everyone, they're, they're trying to they're trying to advertise us. They're trying to sell us. So when people say, oh, you know, he's a disabled comic or a comic in a wheelchair, I don't take it personally because they, they, they're, you know, they're looking for a way to sell me. They're something that'll make me stand out, something that, you know, will, will give me the right shows for the right audience. So that's something I think personal. I, I see it more as that's kind of the idea of who I am as a comic rather than who I am as a comic, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Um, now does, you know, getting back to roast battle for a hot second, uh, you, you know, in, in roast battle, there's no topic, I guess, that's off limits. You know, uh, I've had jokes made about my parents dying two months apart. There's been rape jokes. There's been, uh, uh, you know, dead brother jokes, miscarriage jokes. Uh, certainly you, Joe, and uh, Danielle have had, uh, uh, I guess, handicap jokes to varying degrees. Uh, do you... Uh, do they bother you at all, or it just depends on who's battling you? No, not really. I, I I don't take any of that stuff personally. I think because I think a lot of it operates uh, with stereotypes. Like I think I think the jokes that are that are really mean are the ones that are just so fine tuned and personal that you know that they, that they apply to no one else except you. Like like when whenever someone makes a disabled joke about me, it, it's. It's general, so it's accessible, you know, pun intended to the audience. Because you know, like a lot of a lot of uh, people don't know, I don't, I don't personally know a lot of people with spinal cord injuries or or you know cerebral palsy. You know the the specifics of uh, you know my disability or Joe's disability. So with that, I'm just kind of like, okay, you're giving a vague idea of what it is. That's fine. And also, I mean, for the most part, I I it's like I know what I'm I know what I'm getting into when I'm going up there. You know, I've I've got thick skin. You know, so it's 
it's it, I, I I'm not personally affected by it as long as it's as long as it's funny. That, if it's not funny, then that, that's the that's the only thing I find offensive, you know? Yeah, I mean, I uh, that's what I've always uh, told people, like you could uh, get away with anything up there, you know, uh, and if it's funny, that's really the most important thing. If it's just mean for the sake of being mean, uh, just like, nah, that's that's this is just bullying at that point uh in my opinion anyway uh but it, if it's funny it's funny i mean you know it shows you know certainly cutting edge in that regard i mean just the fact that you can have a comic in a wheelchair get up there and and an able-bodied comic make fun of them and 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 vice versa it's people are like wow this show's uh show's wild yeah, I, I will say being a disabled comic, like when you're when I'm up there roasting, I have to uh, I think a lot of my strategies, I have to plan a defense because uh, I, I know they're going to hit me with the disability. Whenever someone's roasting me, I can expect I can expect, you know, it's a it's a five five joke battle. I can expect five disabled jokes. You know, there's never been I, I don't think I've ever not been hit with uh, with just a non disabled joke. But it, see, I like if I were roast battling you, and I, and hopefully we never have to. But you never know. I mean, this TV can pit friends against each other. It's it's uh, you know sometimes you got to do battles you don't want, you know, uh, don't want to. I wouldn't do one handicap joke because like so you'd lose. Well, no, you gotta like. Uh, oh, come on, you you gotta do a disabled joke. Well, I I see. I like to. I'm. Uh, very strategical when i battle like if i'm battling a fat comic i'm not going to do one fat joke because in the back of their head he's going to be like okay when's the fat joke coming when's the fat joke? and he's going to be I, I find so much a roast battle is fucking with someone mentally so whatever they're going to say about you is going to be messed up no, no see here, here's what i think is a difference so like say you have like an ugly comic a fat comic or like just so you know some sort of you know minority up there you know getting roasted like i think all that stuff has been normalized for the most part but but seeing a disabled guy or or, or disabled girl get roasted that that is still shocking to people and so i think the best strategy when when roasting a disabled comic is just to attack the disability because it's so taboo to the audience that you get that shock value i mean if you i mean you got to write good jokes but if you write a good joke and it's shocking come on that's a five out of five joke Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, if you got a home run, you know, it's like I know whenever I battle, you know, I know where I'm going to get hit. You know, there's three areas where people are always going to go after me. And uh, so I try and sucker them into doing those jokes. So, so like you with the wheelchair jokes or, or whatever handicap joke, they're going to come at you. You're going to have 10 rebuttals for it. So I want them to hit me with that you know being related to the kennedys or uh, you know my the breakup of my last girlfriend or or uh you know my age because i think i'm the oldest roaster at least active roaster uh you know so it hit me with an age joke because you know I'll, i got 10 rebuttals for it so i th that's what i love about the show it's just the mental it's very much like mma to me in that regard or boxing I guess we should say boxing this way. It's the yeah. big, biggest fight of all time is coming. Are so. you are you excited for it? I mean, I kind of am. I mean, McGregor is uh, he, I, he's got me into thinking he could win, which is like uh, 
But in full disclosure, I think Mayweather will beat him. Uh, you know, if the, someone else made this point, it's not my point. So uh, I, I really forget who said this, but uh, they were like, if the best boxers in the world can't touch McGregor or touch Mayweather, then McGregor's not going to touch him, which I believe. Of course, he has a puncher's chance. If he lands one of those right bombs, you know, your strategy goes out the door after you've been hit with that. But he's got to catch him first. And he's got to come to Mayweather, which is, you know, where the fun starts. Yeah, but see, I don't, I don't think McGregor minds having a losing record in boxing because he's going to get, what, a $100 million payout? I mean, this is this is just, it's going to be, what, fight of the century because it's just, it's a it's 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 a circus, but that's why I want to see it. It just it's so mismatched, but it it's it's so dumb that I can't look away. Oh yeah, this is uh, you know, but in in picking a winner on this fight, I must full fully disclose that uh, when James Tony fought Randy Couture in an MMA fight, I really thought James Tony was going to win, and and the vision I had for that fight was Randy Couture, who's who's uh, a wrestler. Uh, that's his main uh, background. Uh, I thought Couture would move in for a single or a double uh, on the legs, and Tony would just time an uppercut and literally knock him out cold. And uh, Couture shot in for a single. <laughs> Tony missed, and it was over. So uh, I think it's going to be a fight, something to that nature, where uh, McGregor's going to be sloppy and... Uh, Mayweather will pick him apart. Well, yeah, that, that's the thing. McGregor is a striker, but he's he's sloppy. And Mayweather is probably you know the greatest defensive boxer of all time. And so I I mean I I don't know if I don't know if Mayweather is looking for a knockout. That's what I've been that's what I've been reading. Well, you know, people who've been sparring with him and stuff. But it's going to be interesting to see. I, they're they're boxing what MGM. MGM. I mean, I think the the most entertaining part of the fight is going to be after it. When uh, I mean, listen. We live in a racial society. This is coming from someone who played the house racist for three years in roast battle. Uh, if you look at uh, May uh, Mayweather's crew, they're they're from the hood. If you look at McGregor's crew, they're uh, from the Irish hood. Uh, all it's going to take is for one of those guys to call one of Mayweather's crew the N word, and it's going to turn into the Royal Rumble. And I honestly think that will happen. Uh, so, so, something racially will happen after the fight, whether it's at the press conference, in the ring, which I think is, is the most potential, and then it's going to be worth a hundred dollars. Well, uh, weren't uh, didn't McGregor get racial in like the when they were weighing each other, or was it one of the press conferences? I forget. Several of the press conferences, he told. He's uh, a dance for me boy, right? Yeah, something like that. Which is like, you know. In the year 2017, it's not really cool to call a black person boy. Uh, and then there was another racial incident at another press conference where uh, McGregor, <laughs> forget what he did, but it was something that, uh, you know, it probably crossed the line. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm interested to see if May uh, McGregor goes back to uh, MMA because it's got to be pretty dis. I don't know if disheartening is the right word to go fight, uh, you know, Tony Ferguson, who's probably the best uh, guy in McGregor's weight class for two, three million dollars after you just made a hundred or whatever he's going to make. 
uh, I hope he does go back to MMA because he's 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 the best at it. Uh, it's because there's a couple good fights for him in MMA. There's Tony Ferguson. There's uh, Khabib. Uh, I'm gonna butcher his last name, but he's from Russia. Nagamanegov or something. He's he's. Uh, you know, we talk about roast battle style fights. You know, that's a very interesting because uh, he's a, a wrestler and, and specializes in sambo, which is, you know, the Russian martial art and uh, McGregor's struggle at times against wrestlers. Um, so uh, I hope he goes back to MMA. I just question how motivated he'll be. And I don't blame him. Like, what the hell would you want to go back to MMA? So is, McGre- is McGregor going to fight Pacquiao next? I mean, I don't think there's interest in that fight. Uh, I, I don't know who he could. I mean, you could see a rematch with Canelo. Uh, he could fight Canelo. Yeah, I mean, he definitely could do that. Oh my God, that would be huge business. You, don't, you two, heard it here first. It's. I mean, the two craziest markets for MMA uh, or in boxing, I would say, are Irish and Hispanic. Uh, so, you know, that that'd be a. I don't know if it would garner the interest of the Mayweather fight just because I think he, Mayweather's the first, you know, and then after that, it depends on how he does. If he wins, it could be bigger. If he loses but hangs in there, you know, people, uh, if you just heard a low grumble, that's not the audio system. Lois is back in the house and uh, someone's getting their mail and uh, Lois is uh, my premier attack guard dog. So it's an interesting fight for sure. Uh, you know, the buildup, you know, rare does the fight follow the buildup, but, uh, you know, it, it could go, you know, it's really, it could go any number of ways. It could go 12 rounds, could be a boring fight where Mayweather just dodges him. He could get knocked out in the first round. Uh, Mayweather could knock him out. Who knows? You know, I mean, when was the last time Mayweather knocked someone out? Like it must have been like what ten years ago. Been a long time, but you know, and, and someone else made this point. And once again, I forget who, uh, but they were like, you know, McGregor's a great MMA fighter or boxer. Uh, Mayweather's a great boxer, and that's like the two. It's like comparing a tennis player to a racquetball player. Uh, so it, it's, you know. It's going to be interesting, that's for sure. I'm buying it, 100 bucks. I'm already bought it. So, attention, LA Comics, the seating is at capacity. So, no one t- tweet me the day of, can I come over? No, you can't. You cheap slobs. Why don't you do something for me for once? And what, by the way, when you donate to uh, someone's fund, you know, like Dave Gregory, do you know Dave Gregory? Great dude, great comic. I had to go on dialysis a couple weeks ago kidneys are failing and uh you know he he put out a, a gofundme people donated and you could tell all the stand-up comics in la donated with their name when there's an anonymous option just so everyone saw you donate money try doing it anonymously so you can feel good about helping someone instead of showing how generous you are and then you donate 10 bucks you cheap jews and i'm jewish i can do that joke <laughs> Uh, so what's next in the stand-up world for you? I mean, what's going on? I mean, like you got a battle coming up. You got stand-up shows. No, no, I'm gonna use I'm gonna use this uh platform to you know if anyone listens, you know I want to want to roast battle, you know, so anyone can call me out. Yeah, so Greg's a killer though. Don't you know? Listen, a lot of people, you know, think that you have to be some like uh 
you know, able-bodied, like, you know, white-looking dude to be successful in roast battle. And, and, you know, let me tell you something right now. Some of the best roast battlers are Greg, Joe Urell, you know, uh, Danielle Perez is very, very good. Uh, so don't let any wheelchair or handicap fool you because Greg will probably beat your ass. I'm, I'm, I'd be afraid to face him, and I'm afraid of no man. I don't know. Or yeah, I mean, woman. <laughs> that's yeah, I mean that's really I'm just looking for more roast battles. Uh just waiting really until I, I, I start grad school, man. You know, like I, I'm trying to trying to break into the film business. Good luck. I'm trying <laughs> trying to make the next Ray Liotta vehicle, you know. Well, I mean, uh I hope it's not in high def because I don't know Jesus Christ. I don't know what happened to Ray Liotta, man, but I'm a fan. I mean, good fellas. I mean something wild. I mean, I am a fan of Ray Liotta's. Have you seen something wild? Of course I have. I've seen an airplane movie he did, Turbulence or something. It was horrible. Copland? Copland, he was great. And by the way, Stallone in Copland was fantastic. You know, you know, people criticize him. When he plays, I, I don't want to say when he plays himself, but when he plays kind of that dim-witted, like, he's great, like Rocky. You know, Rambo was is not dim-witted, but like a when he plays those simple characters, he's a great actor. But when he's trying to do those dramatic scenes at the end of daylight, when he's stuck in the tunnel, come on, man, you know, stay in your lane. Have you seen Wild Hogs with Ray Liotta? All the great Ray Liotta films. Uh, there's, I mean, he's done uh, he's done some films that you know, if he just would have stopped after Goodfellas, people would be like, this is it. Then maybe Smith would have had a chance. <laughs> By the way, before uh, we continue, I'd like to, uh, you know, a lot of L.A. comics are uh, upset and saddened by the loss of two legends within a 12-hour span, Dick Gregory and uh, Jerry Lewis. I'm to show you where I'm at in life. I'm more upset that the Indian from Predator, Sonny Landon, died. So, uh, you know, that shows you a lot about me. And I have an autographed picture of the Indian from Predator above my bed. So any girl that's had sex with me in the last five years has had to look at Sonny Landon. No wonder I, they all left me. Were either of those deaths, uh, I mean, you're so young, but you uh, you knew who Dick Gregory and Jerry Lewis, like, did you appreciate yeah. their... Oh, of course. I mean, give you a little more credit than that. But I mean, how old are you? Um, 25. I mean, 25, it, you know, it's crazy to me, like... Uh, you know, I, I asked a 25-year-old, she, she's around 25, I met her at the store, to get your minds out of the gutter, 25 is way too old for me. Um, just kidding, Mom. If you're listening to this telepathically. Uh, I said, have you ever heard the Boston song, More Than a Feeling? Have you heard that song? Oh, you mean Smells Like Teen Spirit? Well, yeah, there's, <laughs> uh, I think uh, Kurt Cobain and uh, the boys lifted some of that. But, you know, she's like, who's Boston? Now, Boston had the highest-selling debut of all time, and it was just so weird to me that this girl, I can't say she's naive. She's just never heard of them. Uh, so. Well, I mean, I'd be like, like I think it happens with every generation. It'd be like me asking you, oh, are you a fan of Spike Jones? you know? Like the old band leader from the 30s? Oh, he's great. I'm, uh, <laughs> I love the uh, pinch harmonics he and uh, Lawrence Welk used to do. Uh, see, I'm old enough to know who Spike Jones is. Another cool cat from Long Beach. Spike Jones or Lawrence Welk? 
Uh, Spike Jones from Long Beach. Okay, Long Beach is a hubbub of uh, entertainment. Uh, Snoop Dogg. I mean, Nick Cage was born in Long Beach. Yeah, thank you. And he uh, was my neighbor for a little bit uh, when I was in high school when he first started making money when he did Valley Girl. Huh. A great movie. Well, Frank Zappa and Moon Zappa did the the song to that, right? Uh, well, it was based off of that. Uh, song actually but uh i don't think they use that song in the movie for some reason wait so the song came first and then the movie yeah i, I was pretty sure the song was in the movie but i haven't seen i'm all i've seen that movie so many times i um i'm pretty sure it isn't but it's a great uh, uh i don't want to say unknown nick cage movie because i think it was his, i mean he was in fast times basically as an extra yeah but it, this was his like his first starring role i think uh it's a great movie if you haven't i love exposing people to uh these weird so many great movies just get made and you know they just for whatever reason it's kind of like talking about i'm dying up here getting picked up not getting picked up so many movies that just uh should have been big just weren't for whatever reason uh so i uh, go see valley girl it's my it's like fast times it's very uh mindless fun and you know you look at that movie deborah foreman who was the the female lead beautiful girl could act did one or two movies after never acted again well kind of like kelly brock I remember kelly brock was like in weird science yeah and she was in like what was that steven seagal movie she was in hard to, hard kill? to kill well she married steven seagal which might have been her <laughs> not good not good. I mean, she. I mean, she looked just like Angelina Jolie. She was beautiful. I mean, she was beautiful. Yeah, it's so weird. Like my favorite movie of all time is a movie that ninety nine percent of the people have never heard of. Came try out, me, try me. I want to hear. It, it came out in nineteen eighty six. Stars Roy Scheider, the Chief Brody from Jaws, um, Anne Margaret, who was like you know around when Elvis like she I think she was like boning Elvis. But she looked beautiful in 86 still. And uh, Clarence Williams III, for all you Mod Squad fans out there. And the probably the best bad guy from any 80s movie I've ever seen, the, the great John Glover. Uh, and it's called 52 Pickup. Have you ever heard of it? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Shot in and around Long Beach. Um, basically, it's a movie about uh, uh, John Glover and... Uh, Clarence, Wait, who directed it? Uh, John Frankenheimer. John... Oh. You know, funny enough, yesterday I was watching because you know I'm, I'm I'm pretentious. I was watching John Frankenheimer's uh, "The Iceman Cometh" in the '70s. He did that one, and it was a four-hour movie, really good. Oh, John Frankenheimer, that it, Ronan. Yeah, I mean uh, the Manchurian I mean, Candidate. So, like, it's a John Frankenheimer movie. Uh, it's based off of of an Elmore Leonard novel. You know, who's a legend? Um, and yeah, three ten to Yuma. He wrote a rum punch, which was adapted to Jackie Brown. Yeah. So like, I mean, all the parts are lined up for this movie to be like a smash. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a bomb. And then a year later, Fatal Attraction came out. Somewhat of a similar storyline. Uh, huge hit. Have you ever watched Seconds? No. That's John Frankenheimer and it has Rock Hudson should check that one out i will what is that on netflix uh it's probably on itunes i i don't think it's on netflix see i i you know i'm going i'm going to film school so you know i'm a big film buff and you know i want to take a second to 
thank Earl for writing one of my letters of recommendation to UCLA. You know, go Bruins. And no, no, I, you know me. I love movies, and so uh, I, I know Frankenheimer is, is is awesome. I mean, like Ronan had some of the best car chases, like since Bullet. And, yeah, and like you know, like the, their little small European cars and those small streets. I mean, like tight choreography. It's a great movie, and and I, I think I'm the exception. Uh, I mean, going back to what what you uh, said about Jerry Lewis, because I, I I love Jerry Lewis because one, a lot of people overlook the fact that he was just a great director. I mean, uh. Like he was signed, I, I believe was he signed with uh with Paramount, right? And he got like a ten movie deal in like the in the sixties, which is unheard of. Yeah, I mean, uh, like he doesn't get the credit because of how he looked and acted. Uh, you know, he had the you know the buck teeth. And, <laughs> yeah, but that guy, he kind of reminds me. Of course, I'll always find a way to work in an eighties metal reference. But like, uh, so many of my favorite eighties metal guitar players are fantastic players you know they classically trained but you know they were playing classical music and it wasn't paying the bills so they dye their hair blonde and start playing fucking pink flying v guitars and they became millionaires so i think that's very much like jerry lewis like you know you he just doesn't get the credit he should get well, um yeah i mean i mean like i mean he did what the disorderly orderly i mean uh was it cinderfella i mean all the stuff with martin and lewis I mean, no, he's a, and a, a, a philanthropist, but you know, a fun, a fun fact I read about Jerry Lewis was that he used to tape, uh, used to tape another camera to the camera they were using so they could play back the scene. So if it was good, they wouldn't have to reshoot it. And that technique was like, it was still used for a while. Like he was, he was really like a, a, a technical director. I think probably one of the most influential comedy directors since like Buster Keaton, you know? And just amazing, like slapstick and comedic timing, and just his physical comedy was like second to none. Well, I thought you were going to say Buster Douglas. Buster Douglas. Did he make films? That's crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, he's uh, so it's you know sad uh, in the stand-up uh, comedy and comedy acting world, you know, to lose two legends in twelve hours. Uh, but I'm still mourning the loss of Sonny Landham, Billy Barron, forty-eight hours. Thank you very much uh he was also the uh indian yoda mentor to uh, eric roberts and best of the best two and uh, of course the predator uh predator's nemesis uh the indian and predator so you know apparently he was such a weird dude that they had to hire security just for him on the set of predator because he was such a wild man but so uh, he was yeah, they, they, they the other actors were scared of him, and there were really only seven other actors in the movie. Yeah, Schwarzenegger, uh, Ventura, Carl Weathers, Carl Weathers, uh, yeah, Carl Weathers. Shane Black, who wrote the movie. Uh, you know, he was the first guy killed with the glasses, and uh, the girl uh, who's like a very famous, uh, I think, uh, Mexican actress. I, so again, I haven't seen Predator in a while. I mean, I know it was it it was John McTiernan who did it. Right? Yeah, he did. Then he did Die Hard after that. Same, I think the same year. Uh, but you know what I love about Predator and it kind of goes unnoticed like today you know you see the bad guys or the monsters like five minutes into the fucking film like you know Predator you didn't see the actual Predator till like hour in maybe 70% of the movie which I felt really built the the anticipation like there's a couple scenes where it was like camouflage in the trees but you didn't see the actual uh, Predator until uh yeah, I think when they shot him in that scene that I just love, it's kind of like that Reservoir Dog scene 
where uh you know they're all walking in slow motion but in this scene in predator all six guys are shooting and, and bill duke who's a very famous african-american director and actor uh he's got that big like fucking bazooka gun and he's like it's such a pumps me up i used to watch that scene right before i'd go to roast battle well, yeah like uh like the suspense in predator was really similar to the suspense in the thing right yeah and that, like, i mean that's that's the thing about but a lot of these like are like sci-fi horror movies it's, it's all about suspense you know you want to get create that that i don't know that that i don't know that that sense of of uh what's the word i'm looking for like ambiguity and tension and you want people to turn on each other that's what makes the movie so good yeah i mean that's why i like movies from back then because predator the i don't think there was any cgi in that uh no i think that was all practical effects for the most part yeah i mean it was just like and i like that i mean the movies today you know like i watched the last fast and furious movie I don't even know what it was called. Number nine. Fate of the Furious or something like that. <laughs> it was awful. I mean, I love The Rock. He was nice to me once when I met him, but uh, please. I mean, you are making Stallone look picky in the mid-80s with these film selections. Uh, but, I mean, the CGI is so fucking unbelievable. And I mean that, like, it's literally not believable. It, like, ruins the movie for me because it's like, okay, there's no way a car can do that, go from building to go from a high-rise building to another high-rise building, stop on a dime, and, and Jason Statham, you know, hops in at mid-flight. I just, I need believability. I know you were such a stickler for verisimilitude. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you, you know, I like, I know there's no actual alien hunting down eight guys in the jungle and predator i know it's a fake movie but it's believable so i get roped into it you know i robocop i know there's not an actual robocop walking the streets of detroit although there should be boy was that movie you talk about telling the future oh my god uh like the part where the guy got shot in the dick that was pretty cool yeah yeah the the rapist he was about to rape the girl and uh I mean, but I mean, you look at the special effects in RoboCop; they're horrible. But it it adds to the the charm of the movie, you know. So, so Earl, while I have you here, I got to ask you something. So, I saw I saw one of the sets you had online, and sorry it, about that. <laughs> it's okay. It's, it was only you know two hours of you know psychotherapy. But no, so you made a line. You said something like, "Oh, this is like a Fellini film," and since we've been talking movies. So are you like an art house film buff or are you just like an 80s like popcorn flick type of guy? I mean, I love, uh, you know, I have a very weird taste in movies. Uh, you know, like I said, I don't think too many people walk this earth saying 52 Pickup is their favorite movie. Uh, another one of my favorite movies, and you talk about bad special effects, but it was, and I actually did a tweet about it today, my retro movie of the, of the week is the 1977 movie roller coaster which is an amazing movie given that it's it was a movie about this guy timothy bottoms who goes around the country blowing up roller coasters and he plays a cat and mouse game with mainly george siegel very famous actor and they you we talk about roast battle chemistry they they just had great chemistry so it's very believable there you know uh dialogue and interactions with each other uh i don't think too many people remember roller coaster mainly because it was opened uh, the 
same week as uh, Star Wars. Yeah, I was going to say 77. Like, oh. anything released in 77 was, if it wasn't Star Wars, no one cares. Literally just the worst timing. If this movie came out in 76, it would have been a hit. You know, it, or, or maybe like 78, 79 before, you know, uh, Empire Strikes Back came out. You know, it's just... It's just timing. It's just, it's a great movie. Richard Widmark, who's one of my favorite older actors, you know, from many generations. He was in the original Scarface. Uh, the one directed by Howard Hawks? Yeah. yeah. And I love it. Was, was that Paul Money? Yeah. And, and. I write my name in this town in Big Lattice, eh? Yeah. I mean, that's like the Scarface that like, you know, bore the Pacino Scarface. A lot of people think Scarface was. You know they don't know of the first one. Yeah. Uh, so I, it, I it, it know. was a very similar story. I mean, like I mean, like the the original Scarface has the shootout at the end. You know, he has like the barricaded steel windows and everything, and you know, he's having a shootout with the cops. And I, you know, in the original one, he's killed by the cops, but in the '80s one, he's killed by the Colombian drug lords, like the you know the squad he sent. Yeah, but, the uh, hit squad from uh, Alexander Suarez. He yeah, died Suarez. of AIDS in real life. Yeah. So uh, so. I like to so, throw these weird facts out. So back to my initial question, Earl. So if I were to roll into in, into your house one of these days, I'm not going to catch you watching some weird or like, you know, artistic Italian film with subtitles. No, no, I would definitely say you would not. I mean, when I think of an art house film, I think of uh, the Michael Rooker film, uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Great uh, 80s movie. Yeah, oh, I love, I, you know, that's, you know, I don't know what movies he was up for and didn't get, or you know, which I'm fascinated by that uh, subject, uh, you know, because he was in Days of Thunder. That was like his and Cliffhanger with Stallone. Yeah, well, that was that was Tony Scott, right? Davis yeah, Tom uh, Cruise. But you know, Michael Rooker like held his own with Tom Cruise. It's like okay, these guys are on equal footing acting wise, uh, and just you know, he's a character actor still, and still. Probably just three films a year, four films. Well, he's in Guardians of the Galaxy now. I mean, so he's getting those nice Disney pages. Oh, he's doing okay. I mean, he was in Bone Collector. He was in... Uh, Wait, Bone Collector was Denzel and Angelina Jolie. Right? Yeah. And One I, where Denzel's a, a quad like me, right? Right. So yeah. do you see a film like that? And like, does it make you... Uh, not like... Because, uh, I mean, I don't think we've touched on this. Because uh, Are we going to talk about Monkey Shines? Is that what we're getting to right No, uh-oh. <laughs> watch out. Watch out. Battle. Battle. Uh, how, uh, you know, I think some people are probably going to be curious. Uh, I've never asked you. If you don't mind talking about it, how did you end up in a wheelchair? A wrestling accident when I was in high school. And... Um, so, I, as I was, I was... Does it bother you? To take it no, I don't care. I don't okay. care. No, uh, so I was, I, you know, it was, it was during practice... And uh, one of the dudes is this older guy who was also like probably a linebacker for football or something. I know he played on the football team. Anyway, he got me in an illegal move. It was essentially just a power bomb, and I landed on my neck. So I fractured my C five, C six spinal cord. So now I got impairment. Like you know, like uh, they say quadriplegic because it means impairment in all four extremities. So I got some like I have some function because I'm, I'm incomplete. I won't get into the exact technical to or the tech like technical stuff but for the most part yeah I'm, I'm, a, I'm a quad just like chris reeve but you know with more function obviously right uh because you have like a girlfriend and stuff right yeah so i mean like you know, things work i mean slowly but they work it's all good listen i'm 48 i, <laughs> I go to 7-eleven more times than not and it ain't for a fucking slurpee <laughs> um I, wait, have you seen monkey shines i have it's been a while i mean i i'm so busy doing comedy now i really don't uh 
watch as much TV as I used to or movies. You know, I'll come home and watch uh, Big Brother and Sons of Anarchy. You know, honestly, that is really one of my favorite portrayals of a disabled person because it was like it was like pretty accurate. Like the thing is, he was in law school. He had a life and all this stuff, but then he just had a killer monkey. He was just killing everyone that pissed the monkey off. I'd like to uh, get a hold of this monkey. There's a few people on my hit list. I won't mention names. So I'm trying to be a better, more positive person. It's I, tough. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of another good movie that. Have you ever seen the Sea Inside with uh, Javier Bardem? I have not. You should check that one. That one's a true story of a guy. He was a he was a sailor. He did something. I forget. But he uh, he had a diving accident. He broke his neck. Became completely paralyzed, like like Christopher Reeve. And in Spain, he was trying to petition the government to allow uh, assisted suicide. It's it's a it's a really intense movie and uh yeah like it's one it was one of javier bardem's like breakout rules you should check it out yeah so i guess check out these movies we're talking about i mean we could just do a movie podcast uh you know another you know movie i'm has always been fascinating to me do you like bruce lee movies much of course it's this is probably his lesser uh or his least known movie a game of death game of, that was a la- his last movie before he died yeah and it's interesting how they uh finished it because you know he, he died in 73 so I think they had filmed maybe 20 minutes of the movie. Um, and then somehow they thought in 1979, let's finish it. And uh, they reached out to Kareem and he didn't want to uh, um, come back. And uh, the, I think a few actors said no, some said yes. And so they kind of changed the plot around. But to finish the movie, they had to do all kinds of creative uh photography and, and filmography like they use cardboard cutouts of bruce lee's face they use three basically stunt doubles who kind of look like bruce lee and it's fascinating i i would think this would be seen in any film school to, to show you like how to complete a movie after something bad happens or i don't know why they would show it but it just uh you know as a kid i always thought the whole movie was bruce lee um, you know they made a game of death too I don't want to see that. The, the, it's it's the, he's not in it at all. But it, they made a game of death too. But I mean, seventy nine was a good year for Kareem because what like or actually what airplane came out nineteen eighty eighty yeah so uh, well I could you know his fight scene in Game of Death which was one uh, fortunately it was one of the or a few of the minutes of the twenty minutes it was filmed uh, you know and it's the very famous you know the original idea for the. Uh, the ending of the film was they had five uh, levels of this building and Bruce Lee would go through all five levels and each level would be a different style of karate or, or basically what was MMA and he would beat every uh, level. And uh, So kind of like the 36 Chambers of Shaolin? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the first level was his best friend in real life, uh, Daniel Inosanto, uh, who I got to meet once because he's friends with Rob Schneider. It was like, I, I was so sorry so i'm like dude you're the guy from game of death now here's this guy's done hundreds of films and and i'm picking his probably his least known credit i mean game of death was like a popular movie i mean anything that bruce lee touched became like it, it became part of canon you know well i mean enter, enter the dragon was like that's like the star wars of karate Kelly. movies yeah i met him once well, Kung too Fu. yeah not karate yeah i mean uh yeah absolutely yeah not karate uh big boss was a good one yeah, I mean, I mean, Jim Kelly had some uh, good movies. That the I, Last I, Dragon. I, I, well, some of them I can't really say the title. Yeah. No. This is, a, let's just say the black exploitation movies like 
Well, like good. I like Fred Williamson, but I can't repeat a lot of these titles. Yeah, you know? Boss, <clears throat> it's a good movie. You, you know the guy, uh, the guy who directed that one, Derville Martin, directed the Dolomite. With Rudy oh Dolomite. right, oh I love uh, that's it. Uh, you know, but, but Kentucky Fried Chicken is one of my favorite movies. You couldn't do that movie in this day and age with the well, Hell comes the Hell comes to Harlem. Yeah, I mean, there's Isaac Hayes, Truck Turner. Jim Brown and Slaughter. Jim Brown, like a lot of those great movies. Yeah, but he beat up women, so I, I can't really, you know. But he got Richard Pryor off crack. That's true. I mean, like, I love Michael. I love uh, Michael Jackson's song, Beat It, just because it has a guitar solo by uh, Van Ed, Edward Van Halen. And I just can't, I can't hear the song anymore. It's just, you know, I know I wasn't in the room, but uh, what 40-year-old man sleeps with kids in his underwear? I mean, if that was me doing it... Uh, you know, I got enough shit for dating a 20-year-old. I'd like to see you guys' reaction if I had a 7-year-old kid upstairs playing Madden in our underwear. Yeah, but you didn't make Thriller. That's the difference. Well, I can't moonwalk or sing in key, so I'm going to start doing that so I can molest kids, I guess. <laughs> That's Sandusky's problem. He couldn't moonwalk. All right, so uh, now, yeah, if, well, this will be released within an hour. Uh, if someone hears this, at uh let me see what time it is it's 509 i'm gonna release it's probably about seven uh greg will be at the comedy store tonight uh going on with theo von hosting uh i realize it's gonna be short notice but uh where can people find you on like twitter and what's your twitter handle uh twitter handle is uh at no lay greg all right that's i okay and yeah. instagram uh at rev rock r-e-v-r-o-q and do you do facebook yeah it's just your name yeah greg okay i mean greg's a good dude you know he's not a handicapped comic he's a comic so you know don't uh but i will be doing handicap jokes later just oh well, yeah i mean <laughs> don't 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 misconstrue it well like i for i mean i yeah I'd seen you roast battle before and uh you know, oh, this guy's funny, you know, you know, but I, I find that roast battle, and I've said this before, is um, it's kind of like slam dunk competition in basketball. It doesn't necessarily make you a good comic, uh, you know, just as like some of the best dunkers aren't the best players. I mean, back in the day, you know, Jordan and Dominique Wilkins, you know, were, but nowadays I, I find that some of the best slam dunkers are, you know, average players, and I you know, roast battle, you could be great at roast battle and be an average or, or bad comic. But uh, I, I've seen you uh, do stand up several times, and Greg's very, very funny. Um, so please uh, follow him. And, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to have him back. We, I mean, we didn't even scratch the surface of music and the, the shitty music and movies I watch and listen to. Yeah, ne next, next time I'm here, we'll discuss the films of Tarkovsky. We'll discuss classic music. Min we'll talk Philip Glass. Just. Philip Glass for an hour. How about that? I mean, unless he was the bass player in Rat before they got signed to Atlantic, I'd probably, uh, well, there'll be about a two-minute podcast. I have horrible, I mean, actually, I, you know, I get a lot of shit for my musical taste, but, uh, you know, I like it. Puts me in a good mood. I was struggling writing this morning. I put on uh, the Vinnie Vincent Invasion Love Kills, wrote four jokes that I'll probably never tell. So don't tell me my system doesn't work. And, uh, you know, uh, so you don't have a battle coming up. No, no. But so Greg's looking for a battle out there, you know, and don't uh, sleep on this dude because he'll, he'll fucking embarrass you up there. And 
you know, it, it's so all you roast battlers out there, here's a guy. You, you want to get on Comedy Central? You want to go to uh, your Montreal? You want to go to wherever season three is going to be filmed? Don't battle your friends you know you can beat. Battle someone who's been on the television show. And I don't mean me either. I'll call you if I want to battle you. Don't worry about it. Don't call me. I'll call you. You know, the ratings, ratings, rankings, whatever. The rankings meant so much, I wouldn't be getting weekly battle challenges. How dare you people? Yeah, I'm ranked number seven. I'm ranked number four. And then I get called out. What does that tell you about the rankings? Don't worry about it. I've retired Comedy Central employees. So be careful what you ask for. You may get it. Some of you people out there, outrageous, trying to leech on the show. Season three, it's too late. All-star season's coming. Last I checked, you got to be on the show before you get the all-star season. It's over, Johnny. Like Richard Crenna said to Stallone, come on home. Baker team, they're all gone. Any final thoughts, Greg? And take as long as you want. Uh, final thoughts on anything uh, roast battle comedy no i mean like really i'm just i'm looking forward to this next month because be ucla being westwood i'll be right by west hollywood and you know everything i just want to get more involved in the la scene and hopefully write some good movies man i mean like i said i uh, thank you again for the for the letter of recommendation and like i said i'm just trying to get my face out there you know struggling with steps before i get on the stage but like I said, I'm just looking looking forward to everything, man. It's just it's you know the comedy store roast battle. I mean, amazing, amazing shows. You know, shout out to Brian Moses and Jeff Ross for the awesome stuff they do, and you know, helping young comics like me. And yeah, just yeah, just thanks, really, thanks to you too for having me on the podcast, Inappropriate Earl. And yeah, that's that's really those are only my final, those are all my final thoughts. Well, yeah, I mean Jeff uh, Ross and uh, Brian Moses deserve. Uh you know all the praise they get because this is like i said in the beginning of this show it's it's a show that's helped uh un, i mean probably literally over 100 comics get gigs and and you know get notoriety uh you know comedy stores an incredibly tough uh club to uh you know break into and and you know i, I don't know if you're going to get past because of roast battle but it certainly gets your name out there and uh you know if you're doing roast battle, just prepare. You know, this isn't a roast battle podcast, but it, doesn't it drive you insane, Greg, that like you see, and, you know, every week there's a Comedy Central executive up there or some TV executive. I've gotten on three TV shows because people saw me roast battling. So, you know, it's mind blowing to me that uh, people don't put a lot of effort into some of their battles. You never know who's, some industry will always be in that room now. Yeah, like, like I, I know, like since the the show went on Comedy Central, there's been a huge explosion and influx of uh of new comics or you know roast battle virgins as they write on the blog, and I, I just never understood like not coming with with your best material. Like whenever I have a roast battle, I I, I lose sleep over you know the the five or seven jokes whatever I'm I'm gonna use. Like I'm I'm constantly trying to find the best ones. I I never understood that whole like laissez faire. Like oh, I'm not gonna take this seriously. It's like I mean, if you just want if you just want stage time, I mean, sure, okay, but really, you you want to have fun. I mean, I, I'm not. It's I, like you said, there's there's executives there, but you you want to have fun and you just want to be funny, even if you don't get opportunities. I mean, you owe it to the audience. I mean, yeah, 
I mean, I, you know, there was this one dude, I think it was one of the last shows. I was the house, uh, hater heckler uh you know that uh, part of the show has gone on there are several name changes uh and this uh hispanic dude was uh you know you could tell he wanted to get on the show wanted to get on in front of jeff and and you know the celebrities and and comedy central people who were in the room and he just didn't prepare he was like leaning against the stool i was like dude what are you doing man you're never going to be asked to do this again what, what you know, like, I don't get it. Like, I probably over-prepare for my battles. Uh, and I know you do. I, well, I won't say you over-prepare, but I know you're ready. Yeah, like, what, like the first time I did it, I was, I was shitting my pants for several reasons. But uh, I was shitting my pants. I was really excited to, to battle Joe. And, like, I, I, I remember, like, the first season came out. I honestly hadn't. I, I, didn't, I didn't go up there because I thought, oh, maybe I'll be on season two. I had no idea they were going to have season two. I just went up there because... One, I, I respected Joe, and I and I was enticed by the idea of just two disabled guys roasting each other. I, f I figured, you know, the audience will love it. I'll have a good time. You know, me and Joe will just uh, try to punch each other as best we can. And it, it was, and he, you know, not 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 counting, you know, the the TV appearance. It was just really the best show I've ever had, like the best experience I've ever had in comedy, because the belly room was just filled with all these people, like all these. The, the these growls and grunts it was it like the energy was so primitive you know it felt like like cavemen by a fire it was it was amazing and and i i didn't want anything more than to just put on a good show and oh well of course win because i'm competitive but really just to put on a good show like i i i i i just i don't get it man if you're if you're up there give it all you got man it not not for comedy central not for the executives not for the other comics but just for the audience like the audience is there to see you, you know, you, you, you owe them, you owe them an entertaining evening. Yeah. I mean, just, it's out of respect to Moses. It's out of respect for Jeff, uh, for Cena, who's, you know, Cena writes for every fucking battle, you know, and like, you know, you, you shouldn't have the house heckler, uh, doing more work than you do on a roast. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's an opportunity for you guys and girls. Doesn't matter what you look like, able-bodied, handicapped, black, white, Asian, uh, you know, ugly, attractive, uh, you know, you can help yourself. So it's put in the time and don't waste our time. Also, uh, shout out to Saudi Prince. I forgot. Oh, seen is the best. Uh, he's, uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, that's the funny thing about roast battle is like, you know, people think I like for some reason I have a problem with Cena. It's like I, I love him. I'm I'm the one who said, yeah, let him do it. Uh, I mean, he was going to do it anyway. But like, you know, I, he has my full back in and, and and he kills every week. Oh, he's awesome. Oh, he's the best. And he's a great guy. Uh, you know, you, oh, yeah, no, he's, he's a nice guy. Like I, I, I've spoken to him a couple times and a couple times over like uh, Facebook and he's always been nice, respectful, always been reassuring and, and, and comforting and, and he's great. And especially the fact that he's in character like every week and he's still able to just add more and more to this character. Like, like I like how Saudi Prince actually has like sort of a mythology behind them. Like there's, there are jokes that like make sense to the character and like he puts in a lot of work in his jokes, his character. And I mean, it's, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's a great addition to the show. Yeah. And he, he's, and he's different than how I do it, which I think is uh, freshens it up a bit. Like, you know, I'm basically doing me. There is no character. I like to live close to the flame and, uh, and it's great. So, uh, and we've done it together a few times and it worked out great. So scene is the best Saudi Prince. I think it's uh Twitter handle Saudi duty. 
D O I mean uh, D O O D Y Saudi duty. Uh, follow him as well, and uh, you know uh, at Roast Battle, of course, on Twitter, and uh, at Real Jeffrey Ross. I don't think Jeff needs followers, but you know he's got like a million. So, uh, but follow him anyway, because without him, the show's not on television, and that's uh, that's just the way it, it's the way it works. And uh, Comedy Central too. Thanks, you know they uh, they had faith in the show, and like there's too many people to thank over there. So, guys, this has been inappropriate, Earl. SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, Greg's a good dude, so please follow him at all the appropriate sites. And speaking of I'm Dying Up Here, this Friday, the great Stephen Guarino will be gracing the Inappropriate Earl Couch, and we're going to talk about the show and his acting career, which is quite extensive. And, uh, you know, I you know, was a recurring character on the show. Let's not over-inflate my overall importance when you're number 82 on the call sheet you're a you're a low on the totem pole baby but uh stevens was one of the main actors and he's a great guy the whole cast was great so thank you to showtime and everyone uh, involved on that show andrew santino i mean me and santino used to do open mics at greek restaurants where the room was so bad i would just pull up porn on my computer and show it to him and then he'd laugh and then the poor schmuck on stage would laugh thinking he's killing and then i saw the guy do the same set the next night and he bombed and he's like dude i don't know what happened this killed last night I'm like well i don't have my laptop with me <laughs> so uh paul greg he's a good man uh and uh thank you for the love and support of inappropriate earl bigger and better things coming in 2017 and uh i don't know what they are i just thought i'd say that Leave a review on iTunes. It's free. It takes you 30 fucking seconds. Hey, have a good day, everyone. <laughs>